and come forward. Thank you. Placerville, I had seen it on a map, you know, over the years, and <laughs> I had always said Placerville, so it was good that I found out it was Placerville, and it smells like the mountains, <laughs> the mountains of Georgia, it really does, and I was glad to see pine trees, I feel right at home, <laughs> amen, and uh, if I let myself go, my deep south southern accent will come out, but I, uh, uh, I kind of hold it in. I still teach a little bit at Indiana Bible College, and so I still get the, uh, the northern accent a little bit as well. But it is an honor to be here. Saw some of you at the uh, Northern California Theological Conference and got acquainted with your pastor and his dear wife. Had no idea what a gifted musician he is, and that is fantastic. You know, some people, when uh, God was pouring out talents, they just stood under the spout where the glory came out, <laughs> hallelujah, and got a lot of talents. And uh, had one of the ministers there tell me, a pastor, say, now he's a wonderful teacher, so that's exciting to hear. But we're going to get into the word of the Lord, and I just want to talk a little bit on the subject of hope this morning. This is what I really felt led of the Lord, Jesus, the hope of the world. So let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. You know, Paul, before he knew Jesus, was a very bad person in the disguise of a very good person. He was trying to do what was right, but he was missing the mark. And the very definition of sin is to miss the mark. It means to miss the mark. So he's a very bad person trying to be a very good person, but he was misguided. And he actually had this to say about himself some 25 to 30 years after his conversion, 1 Timothy 1.15, it says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. And then he said, Of whom I am chief. Think about that. The writer of either 13 or 14, the 27 books of the New Testament that God used to write that down, the person that may have won more people to God than anybody who's ever lived, maybe not, but a lot of people, he was an example. He could still remember. He's like, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he said, I'm numero uno. So we're going to look at hope. Aren't you glad that there's hope in the world with Jesus? Could you imagine this world without Jesus? I couldn't fathom it. D. James Kennedy, and we're going to pray in just a moment. D. James Kennedy wrote a couple books several years ago. What would the world be like if the Bible had never been written? And what would the world be like if Jesus had never been born? And it would just have been a terrible place because the heart of man is so wicked. And then you put Satan and demons involved in that. Bad things are going to happen. But through Jesus, there's wonderful things that can happen and a great eternity. So I wonder if we could, let's everybody pray together, ask the Lord to do everything he wants to do today. Let's ask God to open our hearts to receive the word. God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, God, I pray for myself. I want to present the word of the Lord in truth and love, God, the way you want it presented. And Jesus, help all of our hearts and minds to be open to the word of God. Let truth reign, God, and we love you, God. God, do great revival here in Placerville, God. 
Let there be tremendous revival. God, let the new building not be able to hold the influx of people that are hungry for truth and hungry for your love, God, to come and receive of your grace and love and mercy. God, we glorify you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for opening the way before this church. And keep it open, God, in Jesus' name. Even open the door wider. You open and no man can shut. God, do great things. We thank you. Pour out mighty blessings. God, in Jesus' name we ask it. And can we all say in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. So what is hope? Hope is a feeling of expectation, desire for a certain thing to happen. So people need hope. They say one of the worst things that happen in a POW camp is one of the things torturers do to people in the POW camp. And my dad was a ranger and a war hero in some respects. Just went on to his reward a couple years ago. But they just take hope from you. They make it hope. There's no way out. And it drains the human spirit when we no longer have a feeling of expectation or a desire for a certain thing to happen. And our world has been convulsed, as we all know, <laughs> the last 16, 17 months. You know, COVID has hit, lockdowns, all of this kind of stuff. And then all of the paroxysms of riots in various places. And I guess even here we had one of the ministers go that was visiting. He went downtown to a shop and it, uh, it was closed because I guess there had been a riot there or something like that. And so we know of, of just the, the things that are happening in the spirit of the world. And friend, if in this life only we had hope in Christ Jesus, Paul said we would be of all men most miserable. But I'm thankful we've got a hope, not only in this life, but a hope that goes to the next life as well. Hallelujah. Jesus is the hope of the world. And I'm going to tell you, there are all kinds of promises. Politicians will offer us promises. Governmental promises. All types of people will um, offer us promises. And at best, it is temporary fixes. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus offers hope for every situation. Your hurt, your pain, your desperate marriage, your cancer. Whatever's going on, there's hope in Jesus. I'm thankful for that here today. How about you? Amen. All throughout history, people have come up with utopian schemes. It's like we have echoes of Eden lost in our heart that we remember there was a paradise that was lost, as Milton so aptly said, that there was a time where everything was fine, and then sin entered the world and things got destroyed. And so mankind has constantly tried to rebuild that utopia, usually without God and usually with disastrous consequences because you cannot build without God. It ends in a tower of Babel in total rebellion against God. And so in the 300s B.C., you had Plato writing the Republic, saying, what is an ideal society like? Well, countries that have tried to replicate that end in disaster and misery. Thomas More in the 1500s wrote Utopia, trying once again to remember what a, and to figure out and to look at what is a perfect society. The New Atlantis was written by Francis Bacon that many feel wrote the works of Shakespeare. And again, the New Atlantis is just a picture. How can mankind get along? Jean-Jacques Rousseau in the 1760s tried once again to give 
a picture of mankind living in harmony. And it just doesn't happen. The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so good intentions. It's been said the road to hell is paved with good intentions. People will have good ideas, but they just don't work out because we need God ideas that come from Jesus Christ and his word. Hallelujah. And so then in the 1800s, Karl Marx and Frederick Engels wrote a utopian manifesto known as the Communist Manifesto. And it has been the cause for about 220 million deaths from then until now. And countless other, even into the billions of people, enslaved by a lack of freedom. So I'm going to tell you, utopian uh, calls of hope and, and change are not going to change anything. If it changes anything, it normally changes things for the worse. But Jesus Christ is your hope today. Jesus, through Jesus, all things are possible. His love, his grace, and his mercy. Only the creator of paradise can give paradise in this world. Now we're going to take a short journey of some scriptures about hope today and see what the Bible said about hope. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 3, we look at hope. Paul mentions this under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. It says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. Amen. Aren't you glad to be living for Jesus and working for Jesus? Nothing better you could be doing. Hallelujah. But then in patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God our Father. Patience of hope. Friends, sometimes it seems like we're in a conundrum. It seems like, man, we are in a place where there is no way out. But with Jesus, the all-powerful God, there is hope. Also, in this world, you know, high taxes. Who are we going to vote for? Seems like whoever's in office, you know, they don't fulfill their promises. Government. But I'm going to tell you, there's a hope beyond this world. The Bible says that this life is but a vapor. It's but a wind that passes away. It comes for a short period of time. Job said the life of man is as the sparks fly upward. Friend, when you start talking 70, 80 years of mankind in a good existence, maybe 90 to 100 if somebody is just really strong, think about that. That's only 100 cycles of 365 days. And you're too young to really know what you're doing for part of it. And then most people get too old to really be effective at the end part of it. So it's just the center part of it where you're able to do things. I, I, I'm just in, in a, be in a real effective way. And I don't want to go into all the what you can do. Remember your creator in the days of your youth and be a great prayer warrior when you're old. Hallelujah. And teach the younger and all of these wonderful things. But there is a hope. There is a hope beyond this life. That this life, do the best you can here, win as many souls as you can here, pray as many prayers, intercede for as many people as you can here, but then there is a time where there is sin no more. We shall see him and we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's a home that is up beyond the blues, the old song says, that there's no more sickness, there's no more heartache, there's no more pain, there's no more wars, there's no more tears. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that hope. Hallelujah. 
In 2.19 to 1 Thessalonians, Paul continues on of this theme of hope. He says, for what is our hope? He's talking about he and the people that preach the gospel with him. What is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? When Paul in Acts chapter 17 went and preached the gospel for about three weeks in Thessalonica, some people got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. Some folks got saved. Hallelujah. And so Paul is saying, when I get over on the other side, I've got something waiting for me. And it's not just a new body. And it's not just me. And it's not just the amazing presence of Jesus, which is enough. He said, but you're my, you get to go too. I get to see somebody that I won to the Lord over there, to the Thessalonians. Friend, did you know soul winning is so awesome? Won't it be awesome on the other side if somebody comes up to you and says, you are the one that witnessed to me? You put out that track. You went out to eat, and you put a track down with the tip. You didn't know it, but I got that track. And I went to a, a, maybe even a different church, got the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name, lived for God. Or maybe somebody on your job, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a niece, a nephew, an aunt, an uncle. Friend, it's going to be good. There's a hope. People that you win to God, you don't just get to go to heaven, but Jesus died for the whole world. The whole world can go to heaven. The Holy Ghost has been poured out upon all flesh. It's just a matter of whosoever will. They can receive the grace of God for you. They can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So I am thankful for that hope. I want to win as many souls as possible. Look, I'm 55 years old. That's not real old. But none of us know when our time is to be called home to be with Jesus Christ. I've just made up my mind through the help of God just to stay focused. I want to see as many people as possible get the Holy Ghost and be saved. I want everybody to make it to the other side. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to tell you the fact of the Bible is, is many people are not going to make it. They came and asked Jesus one day in Luke chapter 14. They said, Jesus... Are there few that be saved? And he said, yeah. He said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many will seek to enter therein and will not be able. So wide is the gate. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the gate. Straight, straight is the way. Narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. So Jesus shed his blood for anybody. It's not God's will that any should perish. But all should come to repentance and everlasting life. And so Jesus Christ wants everybody to be saved. The sad fact is that Satan blinds the minds of people and the human heart and our pride so often prevents us from coming to Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to make another statement too and I'm going to explain it. But you don't want to go to a heaven and you don't want to go to a heaven with a God that lets everybody in. Now let me explain what I mean by that. Could you imagine a God that lets an unconverted Hitler in? An unconverted uh, child murderer in? Somebody that's not saved? Now it's available for everybody, but I'm saying some people think, well, everybody's going to go to heaven anyway. You wouldn't want to go to a heaven where everybody just went. Because I'm going to tell you, 
it would be bad just like it gets bad down here sometimes. Could you imagine a heaven where God just says, okay, Ma Chairman Mao, you killed 70 million people. Enter thou in to the joy of the Lord. A Lenin that killed so many people. A Stalin that was estimated to kill 20 to 40 million people. Go ahead, Joseph Stalin. Enter thou in to your reward. No. We've got to come in through Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And with sin comes punishment. One sin in the garden caused every war, all the leukemia, all the cancer, all the depression, all the failed marriages, all the horrible things that happen in this world happen because of one sin. Sin is very sinful. It is very bad. And so sin, but Jesus Christ took every sin that had ever been committed. As a matter of fact, John 3.15 compares him to the serpent in the wilderness, believe it or not, that uh, Moses held up, Aaron held up and said, Moses held up and said, look up and live. And so that's John 3.15. I'm going to tell you, he took your sin, every lie, every cheating, everything you've ever done, and he put it upon him. And scripture says, he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I just want to tell you, I want to encourage you, be a soul winner. You might say, well, I am not somebody that can talk to somebody. But I'm going to tell you, you can pray for somebody. You can pray for somebody. Be a soul winner. Be a Christian to where when they're around you, they want that fruit. They want that light that you've got, that you make them thirsty for the Holy Ghost, your salt and light. You bear the fruit of the Spirit, and they're like, I want what you've got. You know, we've got somebody in our church, a wonderful couple. And so they lived in a neighboring town. Now, I live in a very small area in uh, the section that I pastor and, uh, in and a presbyter in and all of this. There's about 574,000 people amongst several counties, about 18 counties. And uh, I'm one of the largest cities there. Albany has 77,000 people. Valdosta has about 100,000. But so there's a little town about 40, 45 miles from Albany. And so there was a couple that, it was an African-American couple, and they would come to Albany every Sunday and walk through the mall. It's just what they did. Well, one of the ladies at the church, after she got out of church, she would go work her shift at the shoe store at the mall. And so this African-American couple, they would walk around the mall, and she would always greet them with a big smile on her face because she's got an infectious, Holy Ghost-filled smile. I'm telling you, she, you're talking about bubbling. This lady is bubbling. She just, yes, hi. And, okay, she went to school, and I know most of you won't know who Paula Dean is, but she is a cook, and she is from Albany, Georgia, as you can probably tell. But she is a cook from Albany, Georgia. She now lives in Savannah, Georgia. But this lady went to uh, school with Paula Dean. Paula Dean, if you've ever heard her, has an intense southern accent. Multiply that by about half again, and you've got Sister Reynolds. <laughs> All right? But Sister Reynolds, that couple would just always walk, and, uh, and she just thought, Hey, how y'all doing? And she got the Holy Ghost. She's baptized in Jesus' name. And so they did that for a few weeks, and they got to talking amongst themselves on the way home. 
They said to themselves, they've told me the story. They said, we got to talking. You know what? We want what that lady's got because that lady has got something we don't have. So the next time they went to the mall and she said, hey, how y'all doing? They said, we want to ask you a question. Said, how are you always so happy? She says, I've got the Holy Ghost and you can get the Holy Ghost too. They said, well, whatever it is you want, we want what you've got. So they got the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name. She's one of the top prayer warriors at the church. He's one of the head ushers at the church right now. I'm telling you, just by being filled with the Holy Ghost, people can look at you sometimes and say, I want what you've got. That hope and crown of rejoicing. So I'm looking forward to some people being in heaven because I was able to share the love of God for them. I was able to pray for them. You know, sometimes when we begin to intercede and pray in the Spirit, did you know you might be praying for people in Africa? You might be praying for people other places, and you don't even know. You might be, because you yielded yourself in prayer and intercession, you might be able to win somebody overseas, and they might be some of your crown of rejoicing on the other side too. Praise God. Now let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. We're just going to look at a little walkway of hope in the New Testament. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 16. It says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, God even our Father, which hath loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. It is the grace of God you and I are saved. There's a grace of life. That the fact that you were born is just grace, that God allowed you and I to be created. And then there's a grace of life. That you, many people, many, maybe some of you, unfortunately, you lost children very young. I, I was just reading about Burkina Faso, and they said uh, militants that were aged, the militants were aged 12 to 14-year-old, just killed 130 people. My dad, he was on the front lines in North Korea. It was a horrible thing. He wouldn't talk about it for many years. I don't mean to gross anybody out, but for 28 years, my mama got up. He worked two jobs. He worked one job was at General Motors, and he was first shift, so he had to be there at 6. So he'd wake up at 4.30 every morning, and mama would get up and cook him a full breakfast. Daddy, by the time he got to the end of the driveway, that breakfast would be gone because he remembered all the, the death and all the horrors being in Korea, all the people. He said, son, you don't know what it's like. And again, I don't mean to be graphic, I'm, I, and I'm not going to be nearly as graphic as it was. He said, you don't know what it's like to step on frozen children, to not have your feet touch the ground for ages because of all the dead. That's the reason my dad was an atheist for so many years. He was an atheist for decades because he said, if there's a loving God, how could a loving God let that happen? So once we talked with him and the power of the Holy Ghost got a hold of his heart, he finally said, okay, I know there's a God. And he says, I know he's a good God. But the one thing that I can't do is God could never forgive somebody that killed so many people like me. He said, son, you don't know how many people I killed over in Korea. And so after another few months of talking to him, praying with him, the power of the Holy Ghost, he said, okay, son. God can forgive me too. If he can forgive the Apostle Paul, he can forgive me. Hallelujah. 
I'm here to tell you there is a grace of life and you're alive because God loves you and God's got a purpose for your life. There's a good hope through grace. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we're going to live soberly, righteously, and holy in this present world. There is a grace of life that God has given to all men. I want to repeat 2 Peter 3, 9. It's not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance and everlasting life. If somebody goes to hell, it's because they res resisted the spirit of grace. For you see, the spirit of grace, Jesus said, he is the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He begins to tug on your heart when you're born and you reach the age of accountability. He's tugging on your heart. Jesus said at the cross, he said, if I be lifted up, he said, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus has been drawing everybody unto him. When Paul was talking to pagans in Acts chapter 17 on Mars Hill, he said, though God be not far from every one of you. People that were worshiping idols and unknown gods and philosophers and Epicureans and Stoics. He said, don't worry, God's not far from every one of you. Now, my old pastor used to teach, and oh, what a wonderful man he was, Brother Sam Latta. What an influence he had on my life. He'd say, son, receiving the Holy Ghost is like getting the radio turned to the right station. He said, God has poured out his spirit upon all flesh. And that's true. Not all flesh has the Holy Ghost, but God has poured out his spirit upon all flesh. Remember Paul to the pagans that he's not far from each and every one of you? Amen. Did you know in this room right now, and I know we're in a little bit maybe of a rural area, but in this room right now, there are radio waves. And I'm going to guess there are phone waves like 4G, 5G, LTE in here. I'm just going to guess there is. Maybe we're in a place where phones don't work. I don't know. But if we're in a place where phones work, there's phone. If, if radios, there's radio waves coming through here right now. Now, you can't see the radio waves, can you? No, you can't see it. And so, but if you got a station, let's say there's a station 92.9. I'm just making that up out of, out of whole cloth on FM 92.9. If you got a radio and there is a radio station 92.9 nearby, if you turned it to 92.9, what would happen? You would hear a voice, wouldn't you? If you, heard, if you turned the radio to 92.9, you and I would hear 92.9. Now, if you turned it to 92.7, you might hear something close, like, you know, that kind of thing. If you turn it to 93.1, you might hear the same thing. But if you turn it to 92.9, because there's radio waves coming through here, you would hear a voice. That's the way the power of the Holy Ghost is. And our heart is the radio. Is when we repent of our sins and say, God, I love you. Forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry I ever transgressed against you. And God, you being good, you know how to give good gifts unto your children. I want the Holy Ghost. I know you'll give me the Holy Ghost. You have your heart turned to the right station, and you're going to hear a voice. You're going to be speaking with tongues. It's going to be flowing from deep from the inside. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water.
You're going to have that voice speaking. When it gets close, you're going to hear maybe some stammering lips. But when the heart gets totally right and you receive it by faith, you're going to be hearing that voice. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the grace of God here today. I'm talking about Jesus is the hope of the world. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you the passage that we read to begin this. Paul, if he, if Paul can be saved, what Paul was basically saying is if I can be saved, anybody can be saved. Friend, if Paul can be saved, you can be saved. You can live for God. I'm thankful for it. I feel like we ought to just glorify the Lord a little bit. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So we've got a good hope through grace. It is totally by grace we're saved. We did not plan the incarnation. God did in eternity past. We did not plan the cross. We did not plan the new birth experience. God did. And that's what grace is. That grace, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's grace. I just feel like, once again, why don't we just glorify the Lord for that grace. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for grace and mercy, God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. A few more passages on hope. 1 Timothy 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Notice the exclusivity there. Jesus Christ is the Christian's hope. You and I can't put our hope in a politician. We can't put our hope in an inheritance. We have to put our hope in Jesus. Jesus is the only sure anchor for the soul. So Jesus Christ is the Christian's hope. But I'm going to say this. It's not only the hope for the Christian. It's the hope for the whole world. Everybody needs Jesus. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, and in you all. Jesus is the way of salvation. Hallelujah. Now we go further into the pastoral epistles in Titus 2.13. And this is the day and age we're living in right here. Titus 2.13, we're talking about Jesus, the hope of the world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. One day, Jesus is coming back. People worry so much about the reign of the Antichrist. Did you know the Antichrist only reigns for about three and a half years on this earth? But Jesus Christ, of the increase of his government, there is no end. He shall reign, as Handel's Messiah in Revelation 17 says, he shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever. Did you know the mark of the beast system is only going to be set up for about three and a half years on planet Earth? But living for God, you get eternity with Jesus. You get the power of the Holy Ghost now. You get love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance right now. You get whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, the good report. If there are any virtue, any praise, think on these things right now. You get the helmet of salvation right now, loins girt about with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, breastplate of righteousness. Above all, taking the shield of faith, able to quench every fiery dart of the wicked right now. And then you get eternity with peace, love, and power with Jesus. You get the weapons of your warfare that are not carnal but mighty through God. 
to the pulling down of strongholds. You get a relationship with Jesus. You can cast all your burdens and all your cares upon him. Worry is you trying to take the place of God. You worry about it. You can't change it. But when you pray, prayer is worry turned to Jesus. Casting all your care, worry upon him, for he cares for you. There's not one sparrow that falls to the ground without him looking. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. He cares about you. He cares about your smallest needs, your biggest needs, and everything in between. And he can do something about it. I'm glad Jesus is our hope today. Could you imagine if you put hope in a governmental system or even Satan or something like that? I mean, that would just be terrible. Satan's a cruel taskmaster. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. You know, I haven't always been saved. I wasn't raised in church, and I'll just mention that. The greatest testimony is the person raised in church and lives for God and raises their family for God. That is by far the greatest testimony you can have. I wish that was my testimony. But man, I was under Satan's cruel taskmaster for a while. But even then, I remember I had some friends of mine that got into the occult and witchcraft and all that. And I had enough sense to say, now, what are you doing? You're worshiping something here. Yeah, we're worshiping the devil, man. All this kind of stuff. I'm like, so if you believe in the devil, by default you believe in God. Oh, yeah, we believe in God. I said, well, now, who's stronger, God or the devil? They're like, well, God is. I said, well, I guess I'm going to be on the winning side. I had brains enough to know that unsaved. I'm like, I'm going to worship God. So you might as well just get on the winning side here today. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. We look at an active hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every time you see Lord Jesus Christ, Daryl Bach and others, they have determined through studying first century A.D. and B.C. Uh, rabbinical writings that that meant Jesus Christ was Jehovah God, so our Lord Jehovah Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. It is a living hope by the re resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Friend, when you get the Holy Ghost, it's a living hope. It'll change you. It'll motivate you. It'll motivate you to pray. It'll motivate you to worship. I mean, things change on the inside. You might go running around the church sometimes. You might get hit by the Spirit of God like Elijah. Like David, he ran through a troop and leapt over a wall. Friend, I'm here to tell you, we've got a living hope here today. It is alive. God is not dead. He is alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. There is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. I've been there. Amen. 1 Peter 1.13 has this to say a hope about hope. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be focused. Don't just think about anything. Don't let any thought that runs through your mind, don't give it currency, credence. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord God bringeth him out of them all. So today, Keep going. Keep going. Don't let a trial, don't let a stumbling block, don't let what anybody said, 
Don't let what anything happens. Don't let the doctor's diagnosis. Don't let the home life. Don't let anything stop you from pressing forward to the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You've got a good hope, and it's a living hope. Just keep going. So Jesus is the hope of the world. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 is so moving to me because it talks about what Gentiles were like without Jesus. Basically, from the time of the giving of the law till Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 tells us and gives us a snapshot of what we were like. That at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, the Old Testament, the Abrahamic covenant, Davidic covenant. And then this is what it says, having no hope. Jesus is the hope of the world. Because 2,000 years ago as a Gentile, many of you may be Jewish abstraction, as a Gentile we had no hope. With having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh or near by the blood of Christ. So we were without hope. Jesus shed his blood and said it's not just for Gentiles. I mean Jews. It's for Gentiles too. He shed his blood forever. Now we're made close by the blood of Jesus. I'm glad that Jesus in his grace and mercy took us from without hope to hope. People want hope. One of the last presidential candidates wrote a biography. Some credit it with helping him win the president. It's called The Audacity of Hope. In the 90s, another presidential candidate ran on the platform that he was the man from hope. The man from hope. Arkansas. I'm going to tell you, any hope that mankind can offer you will be very temporary, very limited, very fleeting. But Jesus is your hope in sickness. He's your hope in pain. He's your hope in hurting. He's your hope in emotional devastation. He's your hope in heartache. He's your hope in every situation. You might be a multimillionaire, but you're like, I'm still going to die one day. Jesus is your hope. As long as there is Jesus involved, there is hope involved. Jesus is the yay and the amen. I'll close with this, 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Church, I'm here to tell you, it's a great life living for Jesus now, but there's a better tomorrow coming. There's a day when we see him, our bodies will be transformed, we'll be like Jesus Christ, and so shall we ever be with the Lord no more temptation, no more hurting, wars, pain, heartache, tears. For the former things are passed away, and he has made all things new. I wonder if we could, just where you're seated, I wonder if you could just help and, and pray together with me. And let's pray together. I just want to ask God to help you here. I just feel like maybe there's a few people here. 
that need a little bit of hope in their lives. And maybe you've got the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name, but the storms of life and the situations have just been almost overwhelming. I'm here to tell you today there's still hope. There's still hope. Jesus has overcome. You're more than conquerors through Christ that loved you. If God be for you, who can be against you? There's hope. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. God, I glorify you. I love you. I worship you, God. God, I magnify you. I can't make you any bigger, but I can make you bigger in my eyes. God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, touch every heart that is here, God. Yet all, help all of us to yield unto you. Let us submit to you. Resist the devil. He shall flee. We yield ourselves unto you. Yield ourselves unto righteousness. There is hope. Hallelujah. There's hope for Placerville. There's hope for the surrounding area. There's hope for all the places around in the name of Jesus. There's hope for the United States of America, for a great nationwide revival. There's hope for this world. God, I am so thankful for hope. And there's hope for each and every one of us. We may have had a bad doctor's diagnosis, but there is hope. Hallelujah. You either heal us now, or if we're right with you, you heal us for eternity, but we will be healed. Hallelujah, if we're right with you. God, in our homes, we might have had a bad report. A spouse may have walked in and said, I'm leaving. I don't like the way things end. A child might have just said, I don't want your God. I want to go my own way. But God, while you're alive and you live forevermore, there is hope. You're knocking at the door's heart. You will catch us. There is hope. Jesus, Jesus, help us. That last doctor's visit may have had a bad report. But Jesus, your word gives a good report. Whose report will I believe? I will believe your report. God, the bills, that report might say there's not enough. But Jesus, you shall supply all my need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There's hope. There's promises. There's love. I have the grace of life in me, and I have your grace. God, in Jesus' name, let us all never forget your hope. I glorify you, I worship you, and I praise you in Jesus' name. I feel like we just all need to glorify the Lord a little bit together. Why don't you stand to your feet, and let's just glorify the Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't we just all, why don't you stand to your feet, and let's just all just glorify.